Section 2 of Messengers of Evil by Marcel Elaine and Pierre Silvestre. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter 2 Tomary's Two Loves. Two days before the sinister drama, details of which Jerome Fondor had given in La Capitale, the smart little town house inhabited by the Baroness de Vibray in the avenue henri martin assumed a festive appearance this did not surprise her neighbours for they knew the owner of this charming residence was very much a woman of the world whose reception rooms were constantly open to the many distinguished parisians forming her circle of acquaintances it was seven in the evening when the baroness dressed for dinner passed from her own room into the small drawing-room adjoining crossing a carpet so thick and soft that it deadened the sound of footsteps she pressed the button of an electric bell beside the fireplace a major-domo of the most correct appearance presented himself the baroness rang for me madame de vibray who had instinctively sought the flattering approval of her mirror half turned i wish to know if anyone called this afternoon antoine for the baroness of course she replied a note of impatience in her voice i want to know if anyone called to see me this afternoon no madame no one has telephoned from the barbie natul bank no madame repressing a slight feeling of annoyance madame de vibray changed the subject you will have dinner served as soon as the guests arrive they will not be later than half-past seven i suppose antoine bowed solemnly vanished into the anteroom and from thence gained the servants hall madame de vibray quitted the small drawing-room traversing the great gallery with its glass roof encircling the staircase she entered the dining-room covers were laid for three inspecting the table arrangements with the eye of a mistress of the house she straightened the line of some plates gave a touch of distinction to the flowers scattered over the table in a conventional disorder then she went to the sideboard where the major-domo had left a china pot filled with flowers with a slight shrug the baroness carried the pot to its usual place a marble column at the further end of the room it was fortunate i came to see how things were antoine is a good fellow but a hare-brained one too thought she madame de vibray paused a moment the light from an electric lamp shone on the vase and wonderfully enhanced its glittering beauty it was a piece of faience decorated in the best taste on its graceful form the artist had traced the lines of an old colour print and had scrupulously preserved the picture born of an eighteenth-century artist's imagination with its brilliancy of tone and soft background of tender grey madame de vibray could not tear herself away from the contemplation of it not only did the design and the treatment please her but she also felt a kind of maternal affection for the artist this dear jacques she murmured has decidedly a great deal of talent and i like to think that in a short time his reputation her reflections were interrupted by the servant the good antoine announced in a low voice and with a touch of respectful reproach in his tone monsieur thomery awaits the baroness in the small drawing-room he has been waiting ten minutes very well i am coming 
madame de vibray whose movements were all harmonious grace returned by way of the gallery to greet her guest she paused on the threshold of the small drawing-room smiling graciously framed in the dark drapery of the heavy door curtains the soft light from globes of ground glass falling on her the baroness de vibray appeared a very attractive woman still her figure had retained its youthful slenderness her neck white as milk was as round and fresh as a girl's and had the hair about her forehead and temples not been turning grey the baroness wore it powdered a piece of coquettish affection on her part she would not have looked a day more than thirty monsieur thomery rose hastily and advanced to meet her he kissed her hand with a gallant air my dear matilda he declared with an admiring glance you are decidedly an exquisite woman the baroness replied by a glance in which there was something ambiguous something of ironical mockery how are you norbert she asked in an affectionate tone and those pains they seated themselves on a low couch and began to discuss their respective aches and pains in a friendly fashion whilst listening to his complaints madame de vibray could not but admire his remarkable vigour his air of superb health his looks gave the lie to his words about fifty-five monsieur norbert thomery seemed to be in the plenitude of his powers his premature baldness was redeemed by the vivacity of his dark brown eyes also by his long thick moustache probably dyed he looked like an old soldier he was the last of the great thomery family who for many generations had been sugar refiners his was a personality well known in parisian society always first at his office or his factories as soon as night fell he became the man of the world frequenting fashionable drawing-rooms theatrical first nights official receptions and balls in the aristocratic circles of the faubourg saint germain remarkably handsome extremely rich thomery had had many love affairs gossips had it that between him and madame de vibray there had existed a tender intimacy and for once gossip was right but they had been tactful had respected the conventions whilst their irregular union had lasted though now a thing of the past for thomery had sought other loves his passion for the baroness had changed to a calm strong semi-brotherly affection whilst madame de vibray retained a more lively a more tender feeling for the man whom she had known as the most gallant of lovers thomery suddenly ceased talking of his rheumatism but my dear friend i do not see that pretty smile which is your greatest charm how is that madame de vibray looked sad her beautiful eyes gazed deep into those of thomery ah oh, she murmured one cannot be eternally smiling life sometimes holds painful surprises in store for us is something worrying you thomery's tone was one of anxious sympathy yes and no was her evasive reply there was a silence then she said it is always the same thing i have no hesitation in telling you that you my old friend it is a money wound happily it is not mortal thomery nodded well i declare it is just what i expected my poor matilda are you never going to be sensible the baroness pouted you know quite well i am sensible only it happens that there are moments when one is short of cash yesterday i asked my bankers to send me fifty thousand francs and i have not heard a word from them that is no great matter the barbie nature credit cannot be shaken 
oh cried the baroness i have no fears on that score but as a rule their delay in sending me what i ask for is of the briefest yet no one has come from them to-day thomery began scolding her gently ah mathilde that you should be in such pressing need of so large a sum must mean that you have been drawn into some deplorable speculation i will wager that you invested in those oral copper mines after all i thought the shares were going up was madame de vibray's excuse she lowered her eyes like a naughty schoolgirl caught in the act thomery who had risen and was walking up and down the room halted in front of her i do beg of you to consult those who know all the ins and outs persons competent to advise you when you are bent on plunging into speculations of this description the barbey nantour people can give you reliable information i myself you know but since it is really of no importance interrupted madame de vibray who had no wish to listen to the remonstrances of her too prudent friend what does it matter it is my only diversion now i love gambling the emotions it arouses in one the perpetual hopes and fears it excites thomery was about to reply to argue to remonstrate further but the baroness had caught him glancing at the clock hanging beside the fireplace i am making you dine late she said in a tone of apology then with a touch of malice and looking up at thomery from under her eyes to see how he took it you are to be rewarded for having to wait i have invited princess sonia danidov to dine with you thomery started he frowned he again seated himself beside the baroness you have invited her yes and why not i believe this pretty woman is one of your special friends that you consider her the most charming of all your friends now thomery did not take up the challenge he simply said i had an idea that the princess was not much to your taste the eyes of madame vibray flashed a sad strange look on her old friend as she said gently one can accustom oneself to anything and everything my dear friend besides i quite recognize that the princess deserves the reputation she enjoys of being wonderfully beautiful and also intellectual thomery did not reply to this he looked puzzled annoyed the baroness continued they even say that handsome bachelor monsieur thomery is not indifferent to her fascinations that for the first time in his life he is ready to link oh as for that thomery was protesting when the door opened and the princess sonia danidov rustled into the room a superbly a dazzlingly beautiful vision all audacity and charm accept my apologies dear baroness she cried for arriving so late but the streets are crowded and i live such a long way out added madame de vibray you live in a charming part amended the princess then catching sight of thomery why you she cried and with a gracious and dignified gesture the princess extended her hand which the wealthy sugar refiner hastened to kiss at this moment the double doors were flung wide and antoine with his most solemn air his most stiff starched manner announced dinner is served no cried she smiling while she refused the arm offered by her old friend take in the princess dear friend i will follow by myself thomery obeyed he passed slowly along the gallery into the dining-room with the princess behind them came the baroness who watched them as they went thomery big muscular broad-shouldered sonia danidov slim pliant refined dainty checking a deep sigh the baroness could not help thinking and her heart ached at the thought 
what a fine couple they would make what a fine couple they will make but as she seated herself opposite her guests she said to herself bah i must send sad thoughts flying it is high time my dear tomary she cried playfully i wish i expect you to show yourself the most charming of men to your delicious neighbour ten o'clock had struck before madame vibray and her guests left the dinner-table and proceeded to the small drawing-room tomary was allowed to smoke in their presence besides the princess had accepted a turkish cigarette and the baroness had allowed herself a liqueur a most excellent dinner and choice wines had loosened tongues and in accordance with a pre-arranged plan madame de vibray had directed the conversation imperceptibly into the channels she wished it to follow thus she learned what she had feared to know namely that a very serious flirtation had been going on for some time between tomary and the princess that between this beautiful and wealthy young widow and the millionaire sugar refiner the flirtation was rapidly developing into something much warmer and more lasting so far the final stage had evidently not been reached nevertheless tomary had suggested tentatively that he would like to give a grand ball when he took possession of the new house which he was having built for himself in the parc monceau and had he not been so extremely anxious to secure a partner for the cotillion which he meant to lead then madame vibray had suggested that the person obviously fitted to play this important part was the princess sonia donidov who better the suggestion was welcomed by both it was settled there and then yes thought the baroness tomary's marriage is practically arranged that is evident well i must resign myself to the inevitable it was about half-past eleven when sonia donidov rose to take leave of her hostess tomary hesitating looked first at his old friend then at the princess asking himself what he ought to do madame de vibray felt secretly grateful to him for this momentary hesitation as a woman whose mourning for a dead love is over she spoke out bravely dear friend said she surely you are not going to let the princess return alone i hope she will allow you to see her safely home the princess pressed the hands of her generous hostess she was radiant what a good kind friend you are she cried in an outburst of sincere affection then with a questioning glance in which there was a touch of uneasiness a slight hesitation she said ah do let me kiss you for all reply madame vibray opened her arms the two women clung together sealing with their kiss the treaty of peace both wished to keep when the humming of the motor-car which bore off the princess and tomary had died away in the distance madame de vibray retired to her room a tear rolled down her cheek a little bit of my heart has gone with them she murmured the poor woman sighed deeply ah it is my whole heart that has gone there was a discreet knock at the door she mastered her emotion it was the dignified mistress of the house who said quietly come in it was antoine who presented two letters on a silver platter he explained that believing his mistress to be anxiously awaiting some news he had ventured to bring up the last post at this late hour after bidding antoine good-night she recalled him to say please tell the maid not to come up i shall not require her i can manage by myself madame de vibray went toward the little writing-table which stood in one corner of her room in leisurely fashion she sat down and proceeded to open her letters with a wearied air why it's from that nice jacques delon she exclaimed as she read the first letter she opened i was thinking of him at this very minute 
yes she went on as she read i will certainly pay him a visit soon madame de vibray put jacques delon's letter in her handbag recognizing on the back of the second letter the initials b n which she knew to be the discreet superscription on the business paper of her bankers monsieur's barbe nantille it was long and closely written in a fine regular hand when she began to read it her attention was wandering for her mind was full of sonia danidoff and thomery and what she had ascertained regarding their relation to each other but little by little she became absorbed in what she was reading till her whole attention was taken captive as she read on however her eyes opened more and more widely there was a look of keenest anguish in them her features contracted as if in pain her bosom heaved her fingers were trembling under the stress of some intense emotion oh my god ah my god she gasped out several times in a half-choked voice silence had reigned for a long while in the smart town-house of the baroness de vibray in the avenue henri martin from without came no sound the avenue was quiet deserted the night was dark but when three o'clock struck the bedroom of madame de vibray was still flooded with light she had not left her writing-table since she had read the letter of her bankers monsieur's barbe nantule she wrote on and on without intermission end of chapter two read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com